Hi, I'm Rusty. I'm Chris. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet where you can hear topics discussed. Rusty, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, sure. So, my name is Rusty. Um, I will plug my Discord bot. It's a little coding project I did. Um, so it's a it's a bot that lets you take another Discord user and convert them into a Discord bot. <laughs> ah, this is going to be a, a recurring topic on this particular episode, I think. Uh, Chris, uh, would you like to introduce, introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Sure. Uh, my name is Chris Hall. I sometimes go by Chal because there are a lot of Chris's in the world. Uh, and I would like to plug kiwi watermelon flavored LaCroix because it's really good. That sounds tasty. I'm a big fan of seltzer water in general, like lightly flavored seltzer. I think I'm like coming to the point in my life where like I, even if you offer me like a Coca-Cola, I'll want it to be watered down, but like ideally with seltzer water, not with regular water because that would be terrible. I, I actually am pretty into like very light applications of cola syrup. Have you experimented with this? I mean, it, it, to the extent that like you can at restaurants that have soda fountains, yes. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with those freestyle ones, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And they have their like, like fruit flavorings you can add that are sometimes questionable. I have not been able to get the freestyle ones to emit regular carbonated water. Like maybe it's in a like a hidden sub menu. Maybe there's like you enter the Konami code or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like that should be kind of a staple, right? It seems like something that I don't know. Maybe it's not as addictive. It's not addictive enough, so they don't want you to drink it. <laughs> Is it even possible to get them to do regular water? I guess it's probably illegal if they don't. I am pretty sure I've seen the option for regular water, but I think it's called Dasani. Ah, uh, that's why. Yeah, there's. Uh, I guess there's no uh, Coca-Cola branded seltzer water. Are you guys ready for some topics? Yes, I am ready. All right, Rusty, your first topic here is games that are work. So I don't know if there's really a genre or a name for this, but yeah, my kind of first example and experience with this was Minecraft. And I guess that's a, a sandbox would be what you call that. Yeah. But n not all sandbox games are work or are that much work. You know, it's, it's very repetitive and then you can build things and you, you kind of have to build things to, <laughs> to enjoy it. Right. I mean, I, do, I definitely think that Minecraft is a game about the work of... Well, the thing about Minecraft is that you're picking what you want to build. Like, there are a lot of games about work that are like, your boss tells you to do something and then you do it. Like, I actually really like uh, mm -hmm. Shenzhen IO, which is a game about programming. And it's just a game about having a programming job. Oh, wow. Oh, that's funny. It The way it plays out is you have an inbox where you get emails... Mm -hmm. And they give you tasks in the inbox and then you do the tasks and then you get more emails. That's your reward. <laughs> and I love it. Like, and I, it's a lot of it is just that like, it um, is just the fun part of having like, you're starting a new job. So there's that excitement, you know, you get to like, you don't have to take part in the office drama. You just witness it. <laughs> and it's only the fun parts of the programming project. So like you get just the cool puzzle solving and like, you, they don't get to the part where they change the specs out from under you. There's no like scrum master and I don't know, <laughs> no customers. or <laughs> Right, right. It makes you wonder what a game would be like that only had the bad parts. Like the <laughs> oh, gosh. changing requirements and the, the bureaucracy. There must be something like that. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty bad. More along the lines of Minecraft, I have also played um, in the past year, I played Stardew Valley. Which is a game that is about farming um, and also about living in a small town. A lot of what you're doing in that game is like running around watering all your plants. Uh, but like real work, especially like the real work that people do nowadays, tends to not be that actually that rewarding. And I think the, the fantasy of like doing a job and getting fairly compensated for it is really powerful for uh, our generation and younger. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I can I, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> does does a game where you like a like an MMO or I guess like a JRPG 
I guess that's like kind of a different kind of work, right? Like it's not it's not simulating aspects of work, but you're you're still grinding in a semi similar way of like you know in Minecraft you're like I'm gonna make this big tall building, so I'm gonna dig a pit that's gonna take me three hours to dig to get all the rocks for it. It's, right. It's a little similar to that. And that was like one of the things that I the one of the reasons I kind of gave up on Minecraft was that I was like I could spend hours building this sculpture, or I could just write a program to do it in like 10 seconds. <laughs> it's at that point, the illusion just breaks, you know, you, you, you have to have the, the buy-in in order to, to be able to invest in the, the fiction. And I think like to a, to a very real extent, like almost maybe, maybe literally every game is a form of pleasurable work. Yeah, definitely. Like I, when I play Pokemon Go, and it gives me a task like, you know, capture three Rhyhorns. I'm like, fuck you. You capture three Rhyhorns. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but then I do it because I'm the game's bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that another way is that every every job is, you know, to some extent a game or, you know, that life is a game. Yeah, they're they're very related. Like if it, it is very possible to have fun at your job if... <laughs> Uh, if, if the listener at home uh, hasn't experienced that, I recommend it. I could also recommend that. It's funny, you're, you're mentioning this like making the sculpture in Minecraft and, and just writing a program to do it in, in like 10 minutes. But there's another game by the same folks who made Shenzhen called um, Infinifactory. And essentially you're create you're like building these factories that are like spatial programs to make sculptures. And that is definitely work also. Yeah, oh <laughs> like yeah, for sure. It's very yeah. challenging and feels like work. But also like when you when you finish something, it's like, you know, you're like feeling really good about it, which kind of happens in real life too. I've definitely had days where what I did was program that day and at the end of it I felt like Shenzhen IO made me feel but it's not common you know it's not like it's not the norm and I don't know if it's possible to to make it be the norm like I think a lot of what that game does is trickery it it like it doesn't just make the work fun it actually takes away the part the necessary parts of work that are not fun the, this is interesting cuz wasn't there a big what do you call it? Like a fad among apps to like gamify, like trying to make real life slash real work seem like more fun. And I feel like like that's kind of gone away or maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank God. Lessons have been taken <laughs> from that or something. Yeah. Yeah. Every app having achievements. That was uh, yeah. that was like super popular in around 2010. I think it's effective, but it also like has a real toll on it's like pollution where like you're <laughs> you're putting harm out into the world but you're not paying the cost have y'all played the game um viscera cleanup detail where you're like the janitor <laughs> cleaning up after uh, uh like a horrific sci-fi scene i have not mm, i have seen some streams but no i haven't haven't actually played it that game is very like literally it'll take like over two hours to clean up a scene but i still really like it and i cannot fathom why I like playing that game and I don't like cleaning my house that desperately needs cleaning right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a weird thing that happened to me. I was playing uh, Chibi Robo. This was maybe 15 years ago. I was playing Chibi Robo, which is a game where you play a house cleaning robot and you get experience points for like picking up trash and throwing, throwing it in the garbage. And I remember um, going under somebody's bed and finding this huge pile of like wadded up paper. And I was like, score. It's like, it was like finding a big pile of treasure. <laughs> and then I picked up all that trash and threw it in the garbage and got a whole bunch of experience points. And I realized that with like a little tweak of how I thought about things, I could feel that way for like when my roommate leaves a dish, a sink full of dishes. That's funny. Yeah. And then I came up with this scoring system for like my day-to-day -day activities for like how ways that I could measure my life's general productivity. Um, I used it for years. I don't use it anymore because like I'm not basically because I'm lazy, <laughs> <laughs> but it was very uh, effective at, at getting me to do the things that I was scoring. I have a hard time believing that there exists a system that makes cleaning a roommate's dishes 
anything different than like infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me when, when I was a kid and my mom tried to turn cleaning my room into a game. <laughs> yeah. At the time I was just like, I'm, I'm not falling for this. Like, <laughs> you know, this is, this is still cleaning my room. When uh, Winston was born, April and I read an article uh, that was talking about how in some cultures, it's the norm for children to just like be helpful and they will like go out of their way to like look for ways to be helpful in the household. And, and th maybe this is probably oversimplifying, but the takeaway that we had was that the way you do this is by, and this is already happening, like when our kid is, our kid is like 18 months old and he already is like, he sees us wiping the floor after he spills something and he, he grabs a towel and he joins us and starts wiping with us. Mm -hmm. Like he mm -hmm. wants to help. He wants to do what we do. And I think the normal reaction for someone in our culture is to like, this kid's just getting get in the way, you know, just go, go do your thing, kid, while I clean this up. You know, if he tries to sweep, he's just going to make a bigger mess. But the argument that this article was making was that if you let the kid help and you don't discourage them from helping, they will just continue to help through adulthood. And we'll find out if that's true. <laughs> I was going to say, how's, how's it working out so far? <laughs> yeah, well, so far he's trying and not very good at it. That's adorable. Oh my yeah. God. He's uh, an amazing, adorable child. Oh, I saw him once in, in, in meat space. I brought him to co-working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you were talking, I was like imagining like kids trying to help clean things up and then like the mess that kids often make with Legos, which is the like floor death trap. Nature's caltrop. And then I was like, why don't they have squishy Legos? <laughs> I, I feel like we should write in to the Lego company and make them <laughs> like, okay, so Legos that you won't step on and die. You could just have the kid play Minecraft. <laughs> The big Duplo ones are not sharp enough. Yeah, those are cool because they're huge. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Like, honestly, I think the solution is just to wear shoes in the house. <laughs> uh, are you guys ready for another topic? Yep. Let's do it. Chris, your topic here is Twitter bots posting photos of people and cats that do not exist. Yeah. Have y'all seen those Twitter bots? There's one called This Person Does Not Exist and there's one called... It used to be called This Cat Does Not Exist, and now it's called, like, Normal Cat Pictures. <laughs> AI-generated portraits of people and pictures of cats. But the, the funny thing is the people one, like, they're, like, these really kind of nice photos of people, except they're not actual real photos. And you can kind of tell sometimes it'll put, like, half glasses on people. But they usually look like they're, like, pretty good photos of people, and it's like, oh, cool. And then this cat bot is just creates the most horrifying, like, chimera like multi-headed cat monsters that a lot of times have like meme text like half formed in the margins and i was just wondering if y'all had seen those they're definitely worth following uh, yeah i am looking at normal cat pics right now that sounds terrifying are the people um is it like portraits or are they doing stuff uh it's just just like portraits like pretty uh -huh. much just their face this one, the one that I am looking at and will not describe for the sake of the listener, looks like a, something out of a horror movie. This does not look like machine learning. It looks like a designed horrible monster. So, that's actually really impressive if that was a AI generated. What you're saying is that it does not look like a normal cat picture. <laughs> but it also doesn't look like a machine learning cat picture. Rusty, how does this relate to your creating discord ghosts of humans? <laughs> the original version of my bot used, yeah, used this TensorFlow algorithm, uh, but now it's just using Markov chains. Oh, that's interesting. So, what, why did you decide to to go from TensorFlow to Markov chains? It just worked better. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess the uh, the the TensorFlow models tended to need lots of data, and most most people on or most Discord users. I found not enough quality messages usually. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we were talking about this in the Discord. I forget who it was, who, but like someone who'd worked a bunch with um, with machine learning was talking about how um, AI Dungeon is based on GPT-2, which is a uh, 
text generation AI, mm-hmm. and that people who are like working with a modified version of that will like strip off the top liver, like the strip off the neocortex of GPT two, and like retrain. Like once it has the, at that point, it still has like the deep learning of the how language is structured, but then you could add on top of it like the actual corpus of text you want it to imitate. That's pretty neat. But it also like is. It has like a billion and a half, billion and a half floats that make up its uh, brain. So you have to have that much RAM. So yeah, like a, a Markov chain thing would be way cheaper. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that, that was another difficulty with TensorFlow is yeah, it's required more, more <laughs> compute resources. Um, and were you just running this on like your local video card? I wasn't using my GPU actually. It, was, it wasn't... Um, configured right. I was using, um, actually I was using SageMaker for training and then, mm-hmm. yeah. And then for, for a model recall when the bot's actually running yeah, on, on my computer or in Elastic Beanstalk, I guess. Yeah. Does, uh, does SageMaker, is that an online service or is that something you run locally? Yes. Yeah, SageMaker is, um, is AWS's kind of machine learning. I don't know offering <laughs> or big, big suite. Yeah. It has, has hosted Jupyter notebooks and you can make an, make an algorithm kind of into, um, into like a service with an API. That's cool. Why is it called SageMaker? Maybe it's supposed to make good brains or something like smart, like, like a sage is a smart person, right? Yeah. I wonder if it, I wonder if it's made a sage mm. yet. Some kind of, some kind of wise, um, chat bot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there any wise people that have used IM programs? There must be, right? I feel like I've heard about it. Like the Dalai Lama? Or <laughs> I mean, like, has, has, has Gandalf ever used ICQ? <laughs> like, and if so, why haven't I talked to him? <laughs> so, I have a segue here, which is my next topic. Uh, the best way to future-proof your job against AI takeover is to get a job that machines are already better at but humans still do it anyway. And I'm thinking of like athletes where, you know, some people run really fast, but not as fast as cars, Mm -hmm. but we still like sometimes pay them to do it. Oh, that's interesting. So my, the example that came to mind for me when, with that topic was um, being a professional chess player because computers have been better at chess for a very long time. Um, and that, that's a similar thing to being an athlete. Like, um, it is. You, know, you train and perform and compete. I'm just like imagining, <laughs> I'm imagining the board meeting that happened when cars eclipsed the speed of <laughs> runners. Oh yeah. The, the CEO of running. <laughs> yeah. The CEO of running <laughs> on the Olympic council. They're like, do we need a cars one? <laughs> so like machines are better at people than a lot of things that people do. Like you said, like, does that, do you just become an artisan? You know, there's like people who make really nice like pots and like machines can make like a shitload of pots real quick, but they're not artisanal, you know? Right. You, they don't sell them on Etsy. <laughs> Except probably the artisanal pots from Target are also made by machines. So, you, what you would do is like when, uh, when the self-driving trucks take your trucking job, you become an artisanal trucker. <laughs> And you sell your trucking on Etsy and people buy your trucking service because they want the experience of their goods being delivered by a, by a human. And, and like your truck also has like really cool neon. Yes. That would of course be part of the experience. It's, it'd be old timey. <laughs> Reminiscent of the good old trucking days. The eighties when everything was neon and people still had jobs. Sad. It's easy to joke about just cause it's like. You know, rather joke about it than think too hard. Also, we're all programmers. Being in the very fortunate position to not have to worry about that for a while makes right. it easy to kind of take lightly. I heard somebody somebody was talking about self-driving cars and they were saying that like, well, before before the trucks self-drive, you know, point A to point B, they'll probably only self-drive on the highway and then you'll still need to drive them to their end point. Yeah. Well, that's where self-driving is now, I think. I, um, like, I'm pretty sure the, the Tesla will self-drive on the highway. Mm-hmm. I was uh, on the freeway yesterday and uh, someone tried to merge into where I was. Oh, no. And I ended up just like, well, I, I guess I'll move over. And like, 
Luckily, no one was trying to merge into that lane too. And like under, I was like, uh, come on lady under my breath, which means that like some part of my brain thought that it was really important for me to figure out the gender of the person who was merging into my lane while it was happening. <laughs> You're like, wait, brain, <laughs> just get out of the way first. Yeah. Were they, were they actually a lady or was it just you assuming they were a lady? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she was a lady. She looked feminine. I think pretty much every time that I've ever like assumed anything about the driver of a car that was making me upset, I've been wrong except for the fact that they're almost always texting. <laughs> Usually right about that one. Uh, I didn't see, I didn't see a, a, a phone. A blue glow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any blue. It was during the day. Although you would have known still, it's pretty obvious. I always find it weird that like when I'm driving, I don't know if this is a cultural thing or like something I've trained myself to do or just something that's natural. But like, I feel like very licensed to be vocally mad on at people on the road in ways that I never would in real life. And I have no idea why, like, I don't actually care that much, but I'll be like, are you kidding me? Who drives like this? <laughs> what kind of a clown? Yeah, I do that too. And I think like part of it is that I'm usually alone in the car. <laughs> and so some of my filters aren't in place because no one can hear me. It's it's the anonymity also. It's like um it's not another person on the other end of, you know, that's receiving your Yeah, that's true. <laughs> your anger. <laughs> Road rage is just like a meditation on driving. Just for you. <laughs> Except whenever my partner's in the car, she's like, Hey, calm down. And I'm like, sorry. That was for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's when you, you, you actually do need to apply the filters when there are people in the car. It makes people, it makes some people uncomfortable, which I totally get because like I'm <laughs> as a very conflict averse person, like when people are upset around me, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I think the only time like Winston has ever heard me be angry is when I'm driving, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> shit, I need to, I need to work on this. It's too late. You've already taught him. It'll manifest. In, in 15 years or whatever. He knows about angry daddy now. <laughs> As an aside, I guess, so Jim, you're, you're driving now? That's kind of a new thing, right? Uh, so I learned to drive um, around 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like 30, 31 maybe. Uh, and it was because uh, the person I was dating, we went to go see Black Swan, mm -hmm. the Natalie Portman ballet movie and neither of us realized it was secretly a horror movie <laughs> and she was really freaked out by it and still had to drive home mm -hmm. and I was like I should probably do something about this and like of course I'm sure that like many times in my life that situation has been where like I I, sh I like I wish I could be the one driving so this person could relax but this is the one that actually like made me make the decision mm -hmm. to like to to learn this shit and then as soon as I got my license she broke up with me oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh man any any causal relationship there is just like <laughs> kind of funny but also really sad yeah oh I think what actually was happening was that she was I think she wanted to wait till after the test so that she wouldn't freak me out for the test. <laughs> Dang, that must be a scary movie though. If that was the one, the tipping point. Well, it's it's freaky. It's a freaky movie. Uh, but like what I think the trick is that it was surprising that it was so scary. Yeah, that's kind of my memory. There was kind of some some shock moments in it. And then you're you're right. It's not really marketed as a horror movie. I know there's going to be a black swan somewhere. I'm just waiting for that great big scary bird. I've never seen it, if you can't tell. Uh, it, it shows up. Uh, wow, spoilers. In, in a pretty unpleasant way. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you ready for another topic? Yep. So, this is a, a write-in. Quill asks, have you ever seen different verbal naming systems for hexadecimal? They're all amazing. My favorite numbers are Eggteen and Chris. <laughs> What the heck? So, this isn't just like having, like saying the letters out loud. This is like more, it's deeper. Right. Yes. 
So this one, the, it calls A Anne, B Bet, C Chris, D Dot, E Ernest, and F Frost. So 1A is Antine, 3A7D is 30N70 Dot. Wait, which one is Egg Teen? I need it. Oh, 1E. <laughs> I have a question. Um, I guess what's what's wrong with just saying the numbers and the letters? Like, what? why do we need this? <laughs> I think you would get sick of it if you were like, if this was something you were saying, you were saying hex numbers all the time, you'd want to, you'd want to like make it a little bit easier on yourself. Is this like, like how in the military there's like, they have the different like names for the letters so you don't mix it up. Is it like it is it it is certainly related, but I, I think like this is a like calling the number egg is much more fun. <laughs> egg egg is much more fun than echo. Like one one is one teak instead of eleven. Why? Teak, yeah, or, or hundrek. Yeah, that that I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what the T like I think it's to distinguish it from 11 because when you say one teak, you, the, the, you know this person is talking about hexadecimal. I see. And that's why it's like thousand instead of thousand. Right. Well, and in the same convention, uh, C is 12. Well, yeah, but it's actually Cleventine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, thank you, question writer. This is Quill. amazing. Thank you, Quill. It's very good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know when in my life I'll be able to tell people about this. I think it's just going to be one of those things that I'm like, hey, do you know about this? You just have to write into another podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I, I don't know of any other podcasts on which topics are talked about. So, Well, it's the only one. Like, the, no one else discusses topics. Are you both programmers? Yeah. Uh, Rusty and I? Yeah, so I'm I'm a programmer, but but my my background's in mechanical engineering. I, I didn't I didn't study computer science. So, have you had the joy of like spelling out words using hexadecimal characters? Not really. Like like dead beef. Yeah, that was the one. Like I this this one guy taught me like dead beef. But there's a bunch of fun ones like like feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the classic usage for this is to fill your RAM with them before you start the program so that uh, you, you know if a pointer is pointing to dead beef, you know it's a bad pointer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we kind of used it as sort of like a test value, but it wasn't anything as smart as that. That makes a lot of sense. I, I just like, I was like in high school when I learned about this and I spent like an entire afternoon just trying to come up with as many as I could. Most of them aren't that good, but I think you can do, you can do like baseball and you can do dead beef and you can do decaf coffee is bad, <laughs> which is not. I love all <laughs> forms of coffee now. So it's a 64 bit number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys ready for another topic? Ready. Uh, Chris, your topic is where do you find folk games like sticks or contact or fishbowl? There must be some really amazing ones out there I've never heard of. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. So, if y'all... Are, are you familiar with those games? I actually don't think I've played any of them. At least by not... I don't know them by name. So, the ones I mentioned... So, there's this one called Sticks that I learned when I was in elementary school. And it's a two-player game. This is going to be really hard to describe using only words. But basically, <laughs> each player like holds their two hands out and they hold up just their index finger on each hand. And basically what you do is you take turns. So this is a game that like in elementary school we'd play if we were ever on the bus going somewhere. So each player takes turn and on your turn you can use one hand to like poke the hand of the other person. Like one of the two hands of the other person. And then like whatever number was on your hand gets added to their hand. So like if you had a one on your hand then their hand becomes a two or if you had like a three on your hand and they had a one on their hand, then it becomes a four that just gets added together. And the, the goal of the game is to, if you get your opponent's hand, one of their hands to five, then that hand is out. Um, but the way you can continue surviving is if you have an even number on one of your hands, you can use your turn to split it in half and be in both of your hands anyway it's like this like super kind of weird game that like everyone at like my elementary school knew how to play and would just like play with each other to kill time on the bus but it's like where did that come from and I, i'm just really curious about that and then this other one fishbowl 
Um, it's it's a party game you can play. It's it's sold under some name that I can't remember. But essentially, what you do is get a group together of like six people. Each person comes up with three or four like short phrases uh, and writes them on little pieces of paper and folds it up and puts it into this big bowl. And then using this collection of phrases, you play three games. You play taboo, you play charades, and then you play a version of taboo where you can only say one word. And it's just like this incredibly fun party game that I learned by somebody explaining it to me and like my favorite game to play with large groups of people. And like, I don't, yeah. do you all have, do you all know any games like these kinds of things where you just like somebody explained it to you and now you play it? The, the example that comes to mind, I don't know what you call it. If I heard the name, it was probably in Spanish because I, I'm pretty sure the guy I learned it from learned it in Argentina. Uh, but it's a game where you stand um, a certain distance apart from your opponent and you can only touch each other's hands and you're trying to push the other person off balance. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a, it's a, you're trying to like apply pressure at the right point where they're also applying pressure, but like you can, you can make your arm go limp and then they get can, They can't affect that arm anymore. <laughs> that sounds so fun. It's, it's a very interesting, like uh Yomi kind of uh try to predict your opponent's moves and take advantage of it kind of a game. And then the other game, the one I actually play though, is um, a variant of 20 questions called Hardcore 20 Questions. The, game, the, the difference is that like they get rid of the 20 question limit and the um, object that you're thinking of can be much more specific or arcane. <laughs> um, and so like examples that... Uh, that I have done successfully with people that I know are Michael Jackson moonwalking on the moon. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, light bulb filament. Oh. <laughs> and the feeling when you find that the altar is co-aligned in Mine Town in NetHack. <laughs> what? <laughs> that one requires the uh, players to have played NetHack. Yeah. Did you did you keep score of how many questions these ones took? Uh, no, everybody wins if they get the answer. <laughs> uh, and the other the other rule change is that you can like if if an answer if a yes or no answer is um, misleading, you can be, elaborate. So like it's it's uh it makes it harder, but also like it, you're a little bit less antagonistic as a as the the answerer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to play that. Um, used to play that with my grandmother when we were driving with animals and it was just like it was just the animal game i don't know but it was 20 questions but without the 20 question limit right yeah mm -hmm. but yeah like as for how you hear about this stuff like in every case for me i've never seen like a database of folk games it's just i heard it from somebody yeah yeah exactly i didn't realize that was a thing, a folk game. <laughs> but I mean, you've played tag though. You just didn't know what to call it <laughs> or who invented it. Yeah. Like thinking about this, I would argue that games like, um, 2048 are effectively folk games. Like they feel very similar to me, like games that like the sort of games that you would type in from a program listing in, in nibble magazine games that you can implement yourself very easily. If you're a programmer or if you're, if you're like a young programmer, those feel like folk games to me as well. They feel like they, they're kind of like not really owned by a person. They're kind of owned by the culture. Same with J.S. Joust. Uh, John, Johann Sebastian Joust. Uh, the, it's, a, uh, it's made by um, Doug Wilson, I think. You, uh, you play it with PlayStation Move controllers. And um, you're trying to um, jostle the opponent's controller. And the amount you can jostle it is it varies over time, and you can tell how like how much you can safely move based on the speed the music is playing at. So like it's playing a a, a box song, and if the, when the music is playing f fast, you can move fast, but when it slows down, you have to slow down yourself, or you're going to jostle your own move controller. I mean, it's a game where you're, like you're trying to like hold your weak point away from your opponent and like reach around like their body to get to reach the thing where they're that they're trying to hold away from you without moving too much yourself it's a lot of fun um but it was a game that like 
people knew about and saw videos of for years before it was actually available available to play. And as a result, like it was cloned at least once, probably multiple times on the uh, iOS store because like it's a really simple game to make. Like it feels like the the game itself exists in the idea of the game much more than it exists in the software. And I guess that's what I mean by, you know, th- this is like this is like a folk game. Are you all familiar with the folk game called Ninja? Uh no. Basically you hold you hold your hands up and your hands are rather than in, so in this game it looks like one hand is your weak point and one hand is your attack like vector, but in the game called Ninja you have two hands and each one is both your weak point and your attack vector. So basically you stand in a circle with your hands out and you take turns like when it's your turn, you can try to swing your hand and, and tag somebody else's hand um, and they can, they're allowed to move out of the way. And then if your hand gets touched when it's not your turn, then that hand is out and you just like try and get everyone's hands out. Yeah, it sounds similar. The way people stand just looks very much like these pictures I'm looking at. Right. Where people are like, <laughs> it looks like they're holding drinks too. Like they're just like trying really hard not to spill like their <laughs> drink while knocking somebody else over. <laughs> and I had thought about that too. Like I feel like you could get a pretty good simulacrum of of the feeling of playing JS Joust with just like a bunch of glasses of water. Like it wouldn't get the the music and the speeding up and slowing down thing. But I'm not sure how much that's actually important to the to the game. I think this hypothesis needs to be tested. <laughs> well, we've got water at co-working. <laughs> That's true. I got some at home, actually. Oh, shit. Ball in. <laughs> yeah, try not to brag. You guys ready for another topic? Yeah. Uh, ready. Uh, Rusty, your topic here is my recording rig for podcasting. I'm assuming that this is an especially interesting recording rig. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about it anyway sure yeah so i have a dynamic microphone it's a vocal microphone it's an ev nd 767a i do own condenser microphones also but decided against it that that would be not worth the effort and that's going into an m audio m track and that's going into a MacBook Pro that exists only for making music. I see. So are you Skyping on the MacBook Pro as well? And then I'm Skyping on an iPad. Interesting. That is interesting. Yep. <laughs> and our voices aren't showing up on the... They aren't, they aren't coming through the mic. No, no. Because, um, yeah, I've got... Um, Ear- earbuds in so <laughs> yeah like I, I when i um talked to mark and shirley they had this set up when i called them where they were skyping on two different computers but recording on just one of them whoa like the result was that since these two computers were in the same room they were like echoing into each other oh no feedback yeah <laughs> and, and but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like um the really short, like screechy, short loop screechy feedback that you hear in movies when someone tries to use a microphone because Skype has like latency of like a second. So it was more like a a delay effect, but it was definitely feedback. And that was, that was why I I came up with the, uh, the rule of like, if you're sharing a mic, you know, use, uh, use some split earbuds (laughs) or somebody, somebody has to go outside. (laughs) What kind of music is usually recorded on this MacBook? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, how would I describe it? Yeah, music with guitars and kind of laid-back electronic sounds. Cool. Like a rock electronica hybrid, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a genre that I've heard that I don't know what you would call. Uh, one of the things that I intended to do for this topic was, um, Chris, you were streaming yourself uh, making music the other night. Tell us about that process. Sure. Um, it was something I found on YouTube 
somebody in, on Discord a long time ago had told me about it, but it's called Sonic Pi. And it's basically like this program that interfaces with a basically software synthesizer called Super Collider. But, but the whole thing is like you, you like type in code and the code defines what synthesizers and effects are on and then you hit play and then it starts playing them and then you like change the code and then hit play again and it will like kind of seamlessly reload what you're doing so yeah i've been messing around with that a little bit it's kind of neat it seems like a really inefficient way of getting at (laughs) like musicking versus like recording but it lets you do things like use randomized notes and and do like super weird drum beats and things like that it's kind of neat. Y'all should y'all should give it a look sometime. Yeah. So you say it's connected to Super Collider. Do you have to like install these things separately and hook them together somehow? Or is like they're like a nice package where you just hit install and then go? So the reason that I picked I was I researched a few options. Uh and the reason I picked Sonic Pi is because you literally just like install it. Or you just download it and you open it and it works. Um, which is nice. really awesome. And and the person who made it, that was kind of the entire point behind it was to make it really, it comes with all these samples and synthesizers and things. I was, yeah, I was wondering like where those samples you were using came from. So I, I made a couple of them. I made, I like clipped part of one of the Minecraft songs and I clipped a couple <laughs> parts from this one, like 24 seven lo-fi hip hop radio song that I really like. Um, and everything else was built in. Yeah, that sounds neat. That does look neat. I was going to ask Rusty, have you ever, so you said you have the MacBook for making music and you have the iPad for Skyping. Have you ever attempted to make music with the iPad? And if so, how was it? I think I've like opened GarageBand with it, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no, never really, never really attempted to. Yeah. I've, uh, I've looked at um, music making options on the Android and they are not great for the most part. Like there are some things that are like this, this app is $15 and I'm just like, I'm not going to pay $15 to see if this is any good. Yeah. Like my, the reason I ask is cause like, I've always been obsessed with the idea that you should like, I feel like most of the things I do on a computer. No, I feel like all of the things I do on a computer, I should be able to do on my phone and making music is one of those things where like I found one app called caustic, uh, which is like really good and powerful, but it has like no support for recorded audio clips. So it's got like all these synthesizers and like cool effects and things, but there's no way to have like full length samples in it. You can like have little, you can put a sample into their like, you know, piano, whatever. But, uh, and then there's a different one called like, I don't know, something like audio track, something or other that is pretty good at messing with samples, but it just doesn't have any of the other cool stuff that the other one has. And I'm just like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This was something that like, like 10 years ago, Steve Jobs was saying like the iPad is going to supplant the desktop PC or the laptop as how people work. And it just hasn't happened. And the reason for this, like I was reading an article about this, I'll link it in the show notes if I can remember it where it was. Uh, the reason that I read that posited in this article was that uh, Apple owns the iOS store and they are very particular about what they will allow on the iOS store. Why isn't there a uh, like a good music making program on the iOS store? Probably someone's thought of it before you and they tried building it and Apple was like, nah. Oof. And like who who wants to after like 10 years of that who wants to spend a year making a revolutionary program of any kind and just have have Apple say no. But now you can port to Android. Well, yeah. And if we see like, if we start seeing like, I don't know, a good IDE and compiler on, on phones or on tablets, it's going to be on Android first, at least. Such things exist. They're just not that easy to use. <laughs> <laughs> I think with making music, yeah, you, you kind of need good hardware for that too. That's so your your plugins will eat a lot of um, CPU and RAM, and then the the audio that you record will eat a lot of disk, disk space. Right. Yeah. And the, there's still not really another thing that's kind of surprising and sort of disappointing is that there's not really 
There's not really a good cloud-based um, digital audio workstation. Right. Yeah, I would imagine that's a latency thing, probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like you like you need to you need to store it on your computer first, and mm-hmm. I don't know, may, maybe then upload it later. Or yeah, you guys ready for another topic? Sure. Yep. So my topic is when you're old and you only remember jokes. The only way to learn new things is to make jokes about them. I had uh, I talked about wanting to do this topic a couple of episodes ago, but I had I had an example that I wanted to use and I couldn't remember what it was, so that apparently I can't even I can't even remember jokes these days. Um, <laughs> but there's just this phenomenon where, like, for whatever reason, what the thing I remember best is like a joke that I made that I really liked from a week ago, but I can't like remember that I'm supposed to go grocery shopping tonight. <laughs> Because that's not funny. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll like look up gestalt. Mm-hmm. Like be like, oh, yes, that's what it means. And then I'll forget again. And I have this relationship with like probably half a dozen words. And maybe someday I'll remember them. But the word that I do remember because I made a joke about it is brachiate, uh, which is uh, a word for when swinging around by your on your hands like a, like a monkey. Mm-hmm. Or on monkey bars. And the joke was that I was uh, like at the zoo and there was a, a monkey swinging around and I was like attributing like to this monkey, like it was, it, it was going to use this word, I'm going to brachiate. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and this just really cracked me up and <laughs> I just remembered the word as a result. And for those of you saying that, no, you forgot the word, I remembered it again. So, suck it. as evidenced by right now right well i think that's i mean that's kind of bringing this full circle because you're taking something that's work and making a game out of it right i guess so like if only i could learn to do this on purpose like like, it's really hard to like crack myself up like I'm uh, to just decide like I'm going to crack myself up right now so I can remember this I can remember Bob's name and I remember this this funny joke I just made about Bob's last name <laughs> except you probably don't want to do that cuz then the next time you're like <laughs> meeting this person whose name you have forgotten you're trying to remember it and they're coming to shake your hand and then you just start cracking up <laughs> and I'm like what's so funny oh I'm thinking of the time I thought your name was Blob <laughs> they're like okay great this conversation's over now goodbye like how could you apply i guess yeah like you can't really apply that to going to the grocery store either i mean unless you like you have a list and you go over you have to memorize this list and you go over the list and like for every list you quick come up with a (laughs) one-liner every item (laughs) (laughs) only the funniest grocery items remain it's similar to making like uh or using i guess mnemonic devices or like um try try to write a funny story with like the first word of something right yeah i i keep saying this to people and i never have done it so i should probably not be recommending this anymore but i'm going to keep doing it uh (laughs) the the way that i keep hearing that you should uh if you want to try to remember things long term is called space repetition and it's basically flashcards. you can get a spaced repetition program you basically just give it a directory of images and they will and the, the the program will you run it every day and you have a session and it shows you uh the images at um like tapering intervals where like it shows you each one a bunch at first and then less and less frequently the idea being that like this is the frequency at which you have to keep seeing this fact or this uh, this idea to retain it long term. Like at first you need to see it every day, then maybe you need to see it every week, then maybe you need to see it every six months. Uh, and I, I keep feeling like I should I'd actually sit down and actually learn something this way. But I haven't thought of anything that I really want to learn like that. Yeah, that sounds complicated. Like if if you used <laughs> if you use that to remember your grocery list one week, then you're stuck with the same grocery list for the rest of your life. Maybe you have like a a set of things that you always really want to buy like a like a routine or like a like a recipe do you actually want to buy them or do you just have you convinced yourself that you want to cuz the only things you can remember 
<laughs> well, what's the difference? He's like, damn, I came to the grocery store, like, trying to get food, but all I can remember is those little tiny hostess donuts. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, in reality, like, my the way I shop is I walk around the store and I see things and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want that. <laughs> that's also why you never go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Right, yeah. That's also why I try really hard to stay outside of Target. Uh-huh, yeah. Because I just I just beeline for the Nintendo section and I'm like, ooh. I will make a beeline for a shelf full of video games and I'll be like, you know what? I could get games I would like better on itch. That's fair. But like I still, the shelf of physical media still has a lure for me. Just as an artifact. It's fun to to go look at because I don't actually ever buy video games from Target. Very rarely. But like, I don't know, I was there a couple weeks ago and did you know that there's a game on Nintendo Switch called Bee Simulator and it costs like $48.92 or something like that? I have seen that one in Target. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't know about that without Target. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I don't, maybe it's great. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by it, but I don't think I'm $48 intrigued by it. Right. Maybe we could pool our money. (laughs) (laughs) A collective copy of Bee Simulator. I was trying to think of a joke and came up short, so I'm not going to remember this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're so close. Like a bee colony that instead of making honey, they play video games. Oh, man. Would that be good? I don't know. Is our <laughs> bee dances like sufficiently expressive to tell you like how to speed run something? Or to like tell you whether a game is any good? <laughs> <laughs> 12 miles south. That means an 8 out of 10 for graphics. <laughs> <laughs> like, have y'all heard of that technique that like competitive memorizers use? Like where you like make a like a palace or like a house in your head and you like fill it with things? We had a uh, a guest on who talked about the time he tried to build a memory palace in his head and he worked at it really hard all day and then decided he didn't need to remember anything that badly. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, boy. I work on video games and sometimes I have an idea and then I make it and I'm like, wow, this is terrible. And I have a feeling that my mind palace would just, I'd be like, oh, I need to remember this grocery list. And then I just would really hate the mind palace because it'd be really ugly. You, know, you just need to borrow somebody's mind palace. See if you can just get pull uh, <laughs> or clone rather. That's the, the, the future that we should really be scared of. Oh yeah. It turns out you just, you just then become a replicant of this person and then you're going about their day <laughs> instead of your own. Why is this mind palace just a bunch of trees that monkeys are brachiating around? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I can remember. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I remembered the hell out of it. (laughs) Uh, That's all the time we have, I think, for for topics today. Yeah. uh, Rusty, if this is something you want out of your life, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I I guess my Discord. Oh, you have a Discord. I didn't know this. Is it you or, or one of your clones? No, it's me. It's it's Rusty, and I don't have to fact check this. 1990. Cool. Uh, and Chris, if this is something that you want out of your life, where can people find you on the internet? Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at mrchrislhall, like Mr. Chris L. Hall. Uh, I don't really post anything that interesting, though. Cool. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.